So as always, thank you for joining me. Enjoy the podcast. Kick back and relax. The force is strong and is with us always. And never forget. We have hope. Rebellions are built on hope. of this moment the force is strong make 10 men feel like a hundred we'll take the next chance and the next time you're all rebels aren't you You called it Jesse James. Jesse, a.k.a. The Bizzle. Oh, The Bizzle, thank you. <laughs> the Bizzle? Thank you, The Bizzle. Yeah. The Bizzle. All right, ladies and gentlemen of the Bizzlecast, welcome to another Bizzlecast film commentary, flying solo again, just like my three-hour endgame commentary, uh, which was three hours because the movie was three hours. Uh, I hope you enjoyed that. Um, if you listen to it um, or check it out, if you haven't, or you can check out the sort of mini uh, Bizzlecast quickie I pulled out of it, mostly about, well, completely about the Scarlet Witch, um, as... Um, one of my early predictions, so I won't go through the whole history, I've talked about this point in the podcast, but, you know, a combination of me getting into the Marvel Cinematic Universe and Star Wars coming back in 2015, I started applauding my own podcast, having listened to a lot of nerd podcasts, um, and I had a few predictions early on. Um, that have come true to, to, to various levels. I have plenty of failures and I fess up to them. First, of course, was Black Panther. That was a little unfair because I had some inside knowledge, especially because I lived in Africa and knew how important it was politically and so forth. And I just thought the aesthetics plus the themes plus, you know, the timing in our society and everything, uh, it would do amazing. It, it did review audience and money even better than I expected. And I had high expectations. So Black Panther was one of the predictions. The other was this second I saw Avengers, well, Avengers Age of Ultron for the first time, I'm like, okay, Elizabeth Olsen, she's a star, absolutely, you know, and they didn't give her a whole lot of roles, um, but, you know, a little more powered and a little bit more mature and dimensional in each movie, and by the time she's wrecking Thanos and pulling him apart and now has her own show, going to be the Doctor Strange movie, I'm feeling pretty good about the fact that I did an entire podcast about Elizabeth Olsen after Ultron, when people only knew her maybe as related to the Olsen twins, that's a whole nother story. Um, one other one, of course, was Gal Gadot, which was I hated Batman v Superman, as I've said many times. I did a whole podcast with Matt for three and a half hours on how much we hated Batman v Superman. But I said that very next day on that podcast or in a solo one, Gal Gadot's a star. We only saw her for 20 minutes. No one was sure about her. I was like, immediately like, she's vibrant. She's charismatic. She can fight. Give her a great director. The movie will be amazing. Well, guess what? She got Patty Jenkins, and the movie was amazing. So, you know, that, that was a pretty decent one, too. But in terms of just an actor or actress that I p- would predict had a great future, um, it, especially because they had already had some acclaim as a child actor, but was still unproven as a lead, of course, is my girl, Haley Steinfeld. So, guys, today I'm going to be doing the commentary for Bumblebee. The rebooted Transformers movie, where they got rid of bad actors with bad attitudes, replaced them with an Academy nominee who seems, you know, inevitable she will win many, many, many dozens of awards in the rest of her life, given that she's only in her early.
early 20s at most in Haley Steinfeld. You bring in Bumblebee in the 80s, so it's sort of a prequel both to the trans- Michael Bay Transformers movies, which most people hated, including hardcore, especially hardcore Transformers fans. So people were already amped to get the old Bumblebee in the 80s to remind us of G1, as I say, the Generation 1 Transformers in the mid-80s that were so influential both in the shows and the toys in the greater culture. People were mostly excited about Haley Steinfeld, and while um, IMDb and the audience score on Rotten Tomatoes, which are both very, very easily manipulated by haters, show that there are still, you know, anti, I'm, you know, I'm with her, you know, anti Me Too, anti SJW, whatever you want to call them. But the most part, people were fine with Haley Steinfeld because she, in everything she's in, she's hilarious. She's a regular girl. Um, but as I talked about extensively with with Brittany um, Howard, Brit Girl, before the the movie when the main trailer came out which we loved and at that point it seemed you know that, that her being in Batgirl was still very much a possibility I've done a number of podcasts recently about the Batgirl situation and the Hallie Steinfeld situation in short I wanted her to be in Batgirl then they fired Joss Whedon who was supposed to do it but then they hired the writer from this movie Bumblebee Christina Hodgson so it seemed inevitable Well, why? because Christina Hodgson then immediately was going to go on to do Birds of Prey and Batgirl so why not bring uh, Hallie Steinfeld with you them they did not do that. They waste an opportunity. DC Films, that is Warner Brothers, to sign the best actress between 15 and 25 as far as I can tell, and, and maybe even beyond that age range, has the highest ceiling of any actress, you know, any sub-25 or even sub-30 actress that I'm aware of, has has the widest range and the highest ceiling that she hasn't even hit yet. The Dickinson show should take it to the next level, but Marvel, you know, just sat back, you know, probably waiting to see what DC was going to do, and when DC didn't do anything, and now Haley's blowing up as a pop star and as a TV and film star and just a sort of cultural character. Now Marvel's going to sign her to a ginormous long-term deal and DC totally wasted it. Um, So this was a movie I was... I ended up being a little fascinated by it beforehand because I am from the G1 generation, but as I've said on past podcasts, I really liked the Transformers toys. It was, didn't care about the show. I loved the Ninja Turtles show. Um, I loved G.I. Joe. I loved Thundercats show. And while I had those toys, Transformers was really more about the toys for me. But the reason I hated the Michael Bay Transformers first movie, I don't think I saw any of the other ones, was for the same reason that everyone did, which was that he was blatantly trying to play on our nostalgia but with you know destroying everything that we loved and with just you know camera work that just made you want to throw up and cgi every which way plus a combination of shia labeouf and Meg of fox who are just awful i'm sorry nothing personal guys but you it's just terrible all around the transformers didn't act the way they, they were supposed to it, it was it was you know beyond frenetic and kinetic you could never see what was going on the money's kept making uh the, the movies kept making money but ultimately after after four or five of them, they realized they had to stop or reboot. And I think the other hesitation for this movie from some fans was, why don't you just stop and maybe revisit it on the road? But it was an inspired choice. They brought in Travis Knight, who's a young new director, but he was acclaimed for the very acclaimed Kubo and the True Strings and very non-traditional Kubo and the True Strings animated uh, show. Um, and so between a great trailer that was very touching and, you know, was sort of taking uh, the, the cliched teen romance stuff you know from the 80s the john hughes stuff and then mixing it with some weird ai stuff 
throw Heli Steinfeld in. And as I had hope slash predicted, along with Brittany and some others, it seemed like they were going to do the right thing and make Bumblebee the main character with Haley as the super support 1A co-lead and not be the Heli Steinfeld show. That's totally what they did. They threw in some much dust twirling from the, the corny but lovable John Cena. Um, and even he takes a path uh, and a journey in this, you know, that you don't expect. There's not a ton of action outside of the glorious b- battle in the beginning. In fact, the, the the battle in the beginning that we don't see anywhere near anything like that again, uh, you know, <laughs> w- w- sold so many people on the movie that the time they got to the 80s with Haley Steinfeld being cute and quirky and funny and Bumblebee doing his Bumblebee stuff and them being buddies, the sort of weird relationship between them mixed with, let's be honest, some many stock plot and dialogue things, and there are many problems with this movie. None are game-breaking, in my opinion, um, but some of them are specific, and some of them are game, um, and some of them are um, are bigger picture stuff, which I will talk about. But I was, as I was getting to, and I'll kind of do in the countdown. I specifically went to see this. This was a scouting movie for me. I was fascinated by seeing B, and it was a joy to watch. And the CGI is amazing. It should be pointed out that even it made um, under five hundred million dollars. Uh, worldwide, about 467 on a budget of 135 which is really not bad. I mean, it's triple the budget. I had predicted f- 500 as the low end and 800 as the high end, but that also came from me thinking Aquaman was going to bomb. So with Aquaman making a billion dollars, which was twice what I figured it would make, um, it was inevitable, you know, w- with so many PG-13 movies, Bumblebee, was lower on people's list. But here's two things I'll tell you guys. Han Solo did por- very poorly in the box office, but true fans loved it, and now they've sold a bazillion DVDs and digital files, and I've heard that Star Wars, they've at least broken even and maybe even made money on Solo, where it looked like they were going to lose, for sure, hundreds of millions. Uh, you know what? Before I did this, uh, decided to do this and realized I could use Epic's account uh, to watch the video online um, on my sort of two-monitor uh, computer setup here, so hopefully that will work well. I haven't used the Epic's app yet. I looked to see if there are any Blu-ray uh, deals in the area because, well, I don't really use Blu-ray anymore. Now they come with, you know, the digital code, which is much cheaper than just buying the digital file and you get the hard media. And if you go to Target and search for Bumblebee in store, literally maybe one store in the 30 to 50 mile radius of targets which are everywhere has this movie and it's because of dickinson and it's because of how much the internet's blown up that she's going to be a seemingly a major 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 part of the mcu perhaps going you know a decade or more depending on on deals and, and how things go um you know because we know scarlet witch is going to go crazy zoe's not going to stay forever scarlet johansson might be done after her movie you know she hulk and miss marvel are promising we know nothing about them uh tessa thompson as valkyrie is, is great i think she'll be around perhaps past thor chris hemsworth so but other than tessa thompson of the young female avengers you know i mean Haley steinfeld is the most decorated by far i love lizzie olsen tessa thompson but you know it, it's undeniable not just being nominated 12 but everything she's won from you know in edge of 17 and now she's an amazing singer you know i don't love her pop music just because i don't like the, the the swifty uh people in general in terms of their music but i do like this Swift Squad in terms of their characters. Well, a card-carrying member of Senior Swift Squad is definitely Hilly Steinfeld. Um, and uh, so anyways, and so when the trailer came out early in 2018 and me and Brittany broke it down, 
Brittany had basically given up on her as Batgirl after the Whedon firing. I tried to, you know, convince her again with Christina Hudson, and now not only didn't they cast Haley Steinfeld, even more importantly, they didn't cast any of me, our list of like twenty to thirty people uh, that would be, you know, not as good but almost as good as Haley Steinfeld as Barbara Gordon. But they're not even using Barbara Gordon; they're using Cassandra Kane, who nobody knows and nobody cares about as their first Batgirl. Huge, huge epic fail by WB. But we're, it looks like we're going to get Haley in the MCU you where i've been wanting her i i want the two people you guys know i love pitch perfect the two people i've wanted locked up in disney basically forever as long as they have freedom to a choose whatever projects they want outside of disney and b choose whatever projects they want inside of disney um are anna kendrick who is doing you know a, a very their big christmas movie with bill Hader, which will be hilarious because those two are hilarious even though i don't normally like christmas movies those two are amazing and anna kendrick after doing the trolls movies and so for i mean it, it, you know she should have a lifetime contract from disney um and she's so versatile and knows what she's doing with her career Haley steinfeld's much younger she's got her pop career but she has been following in ennis kendrick's footsteps ever since pitch perfect too um and so uh you know i i, I think the negotiations i don't want to go into this now you can listen to my recent Haley steinfeld podcast um but the point is it's just a matter of how much money can we pay you? Do we, do you want and can we afford and how many movies can we lock in or option over the next three to five to ten years or whatever playing Kate Bishop um, as the, you know, taking over from Hawkeye but being way more pushed forward, I'm sure, as a leader of the Avengers in both screen time and importance than Hawkeye. So this was a scouting mission. I knew Haley would be great. It looked like Bumblebee would be amazing in the two together. I wanted to see Christina Hodgson's writing. And you know what? As usual, like with Pitch Perfect 2, which has lots of problems, and even Edge of 17, which is really great, but it's mostly about Woody and her, and the scenes without Woody and Haley Steinfeld, it's just a pretty good teen movie. Pitch Perfect, like I said, I love Pitch Perfect 1. Pitch Perfect 2 is hilarious, but she stole the movie, partially because she's amazing, but partially just because there, you know, there wasn't nearly as much interesting going on outside of some crazy comedy. Um, so she's always better than the material, and this was a case of that too. Now, this was Christina Hodgson's first big movie. She had done two very bad, very poorly received movies. But when you're young, you take what you can get. This was her big break. It certainly was good enough and tight enough um, to, you know, for them to continue her with Birds of Prey. But I've been getting warned that Birds of Prey, it was a dumpster fire from the beginning. And between the No Babs, Cassandra Cain fiasco, and Margot Robbie seemingly not knowing what she was do- not knowing what she's doing with that after it seemed like she she for sure knew what she was doing. I don't know. And, you know, me and Brittany are extremely sad. All of our dreams about Haley Steinfeld or anybody playing Barbara Gordon as the first Batgirl in and one of their major characters on par with Batman and Wonder Woman does not seem to be happening at the moment. And nevertheless... In the wider sense, this was her introduction into action movies. And while she doesn't fight, you know, she has to get rescued by, by B, but she's the moral heart. You can see her physicality. If you follow her on Instagram, she's constantly showing herself working out, sometimes with her dad or her brother, and she's absolutely ripped. Um, I think she just does that anyways, but she's clearly getting into shape. I'm thinking, you know, for the, for the Hawkeye role. Uh, what would be interesting, assuming the ink hits the page, and then I'll get you into the countdown for Bumblebee in 2018. Um, uh, what's interesting, you know, if we ever find out is, you know the, the the leak about the Hawkeye thing happened about a week and a half ago. It's like September twenty first. I think the leak was the eighth or ninth of September. 
assuming ink hits paper in the next couple of weeks, and this is for real, it'll be interesting to know whether these talks were just very informal and heated up super fast as they're trying to, let's be honest, there's some holes to fill with the old Avengers either not being in the new MCU or one last store performance and one last Black Widow performance. Love Tessa Thompson, love Scarlet Witch with Elizabeth Olsen. Brie Larson's pretty good, you know, but all, even they won't last forever. They need young, even more young female talent, but that's A plus talent. That's not A minus or two A. That's, that's, you know, feeling their way along and, and a moral leader who like Cap can be very funny, but it has a great moral center, is a natural leader. People follow them because they're the best. Um, and they lead by example. And while Haley Steinfeld will certainly, as Kate Bishop, if they play to her personality, which I'm sure they will, be much more effusive and be making a lot more awkward and dumb jokes and comments uh, just because she has no filter, you know, with the best Haley Steinfeld characters. Nevertheless, I could... for sure, for sure, for see, you know, just like Hawkeye is the heart of the Avengers and has the least powers, certainly see Kate Bishop doing the same thing. So, okay, well, that was a long intro as always. 17 minutes seems to be the cutoff. And, um, you know, I've only seen this once. I saw it in the theaters. I really enjoyed it with my dad. I definitely didn't want to see Aquaman. So this, and there was no Star Wars. And this was definitely going to be the movie. Um, and so... Um, well, I'll do some play-by-play. I'm definitely going to talk a little bit about Transformers in general growing up. I'm going to talk about Haley Steinfeld. Um, and then, of course, looking to the future with Haley and the lack of connection with the Birds of Prey and Becker, which I thought would come out of this movie. Um, but also about nostalgia, the ways in which studios are more and more obsessed with reboots, prequels, sequels, and playing to nostalgia. Um, and despite some pacing problems and some very predictable writing in both dialogue and just overall pacing in this film. Um, this, this was a very honest play towards nostalgia and very reverential. And I am nowhere near the, you know, the, uh, the average super nerd G1 generation one transformers fan. But I know this, that whether people, you know, thought it was okay, liked or loved it. If they're a true transformers fan and hated, from the beginning, or at least as it went along, what Michael Bay was doing, which most hardcore Transformers fans fall in that category. Almost everyone I heard at least enjoyed this film and was like, finally, we got a decent, you know, Transformers film, whatever comes next. And everybody loved Haley Steinfeld because, like Anna Kendrick, she's just one of those characters that men and women both really, really like to watch. Um, and, you know, she keeps ste- ste- stepping up her acting. Okay, shut up, Bizzle. I'm going to save the rest for the commentary. So, Q up uh, Bumblebee, Blu-ray, DVD, digital file, epics, whatever you got going on to zero. I'm going to count from three to two to one. Say go. When I say go, you should hit play. Um, and uh, that's pretty much it. And then, um, you know, subtitles or, or whatever you want. Um, but, uh, you know, ultimately, let me just cue mine up really quickly. You get subtitles, a little ambient sound, or a lot of sound, or no sound, I leave it to you. The movie is good about under two hours with credits. I think it's like 140, 145. So we should be able to bang this one out. And I always get some Haley Steinfeld. I'm pulling good vibes. Um, you know, the worst would be, even though I still want her to be Barbara Gordon, Batgirl, the worst would be if the Marvel thing doesn't turn out. But I know they offer the contract, so it's up to Haley. So Haley, this one's for you. And uh, I think you're going to make the right decision because you are a true American treasure and you just keep getting better and better and better. And you have an amazing voice. And you're hilarious. So here comes the countdown. 
If you're ready, take a break. Otherwise, here comes. Three, two, one, and go. One, two, three, four, five. All right, <clears throat> Paramount been doing horribly. Completely mismanaged the Star Trek situation. Um, completely wasted that great cast and that great crew. Um, now that Disney owns Fox, Sony is incompetent. Paramount's incompetent. Warner Brothers is incompetent. And now I can understand in hindsight why Aquaman made a lot more money than this movie. This is a much smaller movie, much lower budget, lots fewer special effects, but mostly people were burned by the Michael Bay version of Transformers. Um, I'm not going to talk a whole lot in these early few minutes because this is the orga- this is the orgasmic opening battle. Okay, here we go. Here we go. As a kid, the Cybertron battle of good and bad, you know, which is bigger than anything we've seen in Star Wars or elsewhere. Um, you know, w- what's there to say? I mean, I-, I know people who didn't even like the movie that much, but they're like, it's worth the, the money just for this opening scene. So I'm watching it on my monitor, not the big screen. I don't know how HD this is because, you know, it, it's an app for a premium channel as opposed to a Blu-ray or UHD file. It looks great. It was incredibly kinetic. I had heard there was something going to be like this, but to start right away, oh yeah, there's B-Baby. De- Decepticon, what a great name. Optimus Prime. I mean, conceptually, it was just so cool. Boom. Kicks the, kicks the thing. So we get Bumblebee's voice, and then never again, I don't think, for the rest of the movie. This is, ex- you know, this takes the, the best parts of the moving camera shots, but rather than just spinning cameras in explosions, and, and you can't tell who's who and who's doing what, Travis Knight, who had only done an animated feature before this, which was, you know, cinematic and great, but nevertheless, it, this is not Kubo and the Two Strings, and now we're getting, you know, Marvel Asgardian shots over the Empire, um, and this was such a great setup. Not only do we get the orgasmic battle, you know, and we see that they've been fighting for a long time. We see how and why Bumblebee gets sent. We see how and why Bumblebee's the one that gets sent to Earth. Right. So Optimus has found Earth because uh, it's well hidden, I guess, in you know, in the span of the galaxy. Um, and because. B is one of the smartest and craftiest, but clearly he's tiny and not going to be as strong as Optimus and some of the other main good guy Transformers. And he, you know, and B's trusted the most. I mean, that was the important part of Optimus Prime is he's specifically saying, you know, you're Luke Skywalker, Bumblebee, you're the future of us surviving and, you know, the fate of the universe. So you're on B's side, even before he's cute doing the E.T. thing. I didn't even mention E.T. in the, in the intro. Um, I meant to say it was a, it's John Hughes mixed with E.T., mixed with like, you know, Ex Machida or I guess something less evil than Ex Machida involving AI. Um, We'll get there with the with the bizarrely intimate and yet not weirdly sexual relationship between B and oh look at that it looks so much better than even the Death Star or Star Killer base. There he goes. There goes the B. Oh, great title! What an opening! I don't even know how long that was. Yep, th- about three and a half minutes, which is what I remember. Earth. So you know, I've had lots of complaints about. And this early stuff with Haley's great. We, we needed her to be a little lost, but not a total fuck up. Oh, here's the training exercise with John Cena. Um, so look, I've had a lot of complaints with what I call Cosmic Marvel in Phase 3. 
And while everything came together beautifully in Black Panther and the final two Avengers movies in terms of giant space, you know, universe spanning stuff, paintball, um, you know, Guardians 2, way too colorful, disappointment. Thor Ragnarok thought was going to be the best movie ever. Only like part of it, even though I love Taika, Thor, and everyone involved with it. Doctor Strange didn't initially love. Captain Marvel still don't really like the movies. Um, but it's n- but I also am a little sick. And X-Men, you know, the last four X-Men movies have also done this. It's like everything has to be a period piece where they play music and it's retro 70s, retro 80s, or like Thor... <laughs> Cena's that was malfunction. This is great. John Cena just keeps shooting this guy. Cena's funny. He's got great comedic timing. I'm totally on board with him. I, I known ahead of time watching fan reactions t- to the tr- uh, to the, the trailers that mo- pe- mostly people really liked for this. People love a lot of nerds love wrestling and they love John Cena. Um, and for, he's actually to me way more likable than The Rock, who's who's just too over the top, or you know Dave Batista, who's way over the top. Although Batista, as we see in Blade Runner, um, can be can be subtle. So, anyways, where was I going with all this? Right. So, nerds saw the trailer. We knew it was old B. We knew it was eighties. Oh, right. Criticism of Marvel. But this is per. This has a reason to be in the eighties because it has to be a prequel before the generation one. Like they wanted this to be in continuity, not with the Michael Bay movies, but with the cartoons. And so it had to be, you know, eighty three, eighty four, eighty five, or whatever, before the good guys and ultimately some Decepticons would come to Earth. And of course, in the middle of the the Cold War, getting bombed by stuff with future technology, it's totally understandable that they'd be scared. Oh, here he is. So Bumblebee looked great in the trailers. He looks great here. No Transformer in a Michael Bay movie ever looked this good. And because it was only one of them, and he wasn't fighting most of the time, they could really focus on the design. But the, the classic shot in the trailer that got everyone at least interested, if not hooked, in the idea of this movie was when he fully opens up directly over Heli Steinfeld and we're looking at her in his insides. Again, not sexual, but very intimate. I think I assumed... Let's put it this way. As this movie got more and more predictable, I, I pretty much assumed Cena was going to turn to the good guys. Um, and that early sense of humor he has is actually not to show that he's like a doofus funny boy. Maybe that's partially part of it. But it's also to show, I, I think they were trying to show that he has some brains. And it's important that he has some brains because otherwise, you know, B, B never survives. So here's the running scene. Saw a little bit of this in the trailer. You know, again, we're getting more action already than I remember. So we got a huge action, you know, I mean, you know, epic, uh, you know, Guardian Star Wars level stuff on Cybertron. Now we get a military thing, grounding B. I think I missed that he can't talk. I can't remember. Maybe it's that thing that takes away his voice. But Haley Steinfeld had to do two things in this movie. Three things. One, be totally comfortable with the CGI and act as if Bumblebee's there all the time and completely connecting with eyesight and so forth. On that, she nails it. As a younger person who's a brilliant actress, you know, the younger actresses, like Elizabeth Olsen, for example, I always somehow Elizabeth Olsen gets her crazy powers as Wanda Maximoff from the first time. You know, some of the older actresses have trouble with CGI. 
Immediately and always, I think we will see. I think throughout the movie, of course, systems damaged. Um, it, you know, I think throughout the movie, it, it is dead clear that the director and directing Haley Steinfeld and Haley Steinfeld herself felt comfortable with her interaction with maybe some practical stuff, but mostly CGI, and it seemed seamless. The second thing they had to do was build a relationship between the two of them that was intimate, but not so over, not weird, maybe, you know, even less weird than the trailers where they played up the whole, like, shape of water, swimming in your boyfriend's 80s movie thing. Here comes the Decepticons. That's not the Air Force. He says, oh, I forgot he has this early conversation with John Cena before he loses his voice. They needed to p- plant the seed of doubt in John Cena um, early on, the military guy, so that even though he spends most of the movie trying to go after B, he re- gets more and more suspicious of the Decepticons who claim they're helping. And again, you have to remember how scared people were still in the Cold War in the early 80s. People saw this in the trailer. They were like, oh, my God. I mean, this looks exactly like the cartoons. So, connecting with CGI with Bumblebee, Haley Steinfeld, check. Connecting emotionally with Bumblebee, which includes some comedy, check. The third thing she had to do was not steal screen time from Bumblebee, who was supposed to be the main character. It's called Bumblebee, not the Haley Steinfeld show. And she absolutely does it. The fourth thing she had to do was just be cute, funny, relatable, normal girl next door even while super pretty, Haley Steinfeld. And I think she nailed that too. And so while I initially was watching this movie for scouting reasons with Christina Hodgins' script, thinking at the time that, it, you know, there was a good chance that because of Birds of Prey and Batgirl, which she was writing, that Haley Steinfeld was still a top candidate, I ended up really focusing on the relationship between B and, and Steinfeld, which is what this is all about. Is this where they steal the voice? Uh-oh, here comes the... Oh, man. I guess his vocal cords are where our vocal cords are. Ouchie. Damn. Alright, I'm gonna hazard the volume up a tad. Now that I think the action is mostly done for now. But again... One thing that was sold well, when I get, have to give Hudson credit with the writing, oh, they're still threatening him. Sentence to death. Um, it is B having a short conversation with Cena. And look, Cena, he might be not the smartest guy as the military, but one of the things you have to learn to do to have power in the military is when you come across forces you're not aware of or come across before, who's the good guys and who's the bad guys? And so he's sort of forced by himself and others to chase B throughout this movie because the Decepticons seem to be helping. This That initial confrontation and Cena watching a good amount of this at least planted doubt in his head. Now, you know, the tributes to not just John Hughes, but 80s teen movies in general, Breakfast Club, 16 Candles, etc., etc., and E.T., uh, you know, are, are both blatant in this film and intentional. Again, playing to now our nostalgia on Transformers, E.T., and 80s teen romance movies, at least, as well as some other things. Here's Cena, a wounded warrior, watching another wounded warrior walk away after getting his ass beat but surviving to much more powerful Decepticons. So, again... 
everyone wanted B to be the main character, and we're almost twelve minutes in, and B still the main character. I was, and what's great is, you know, it doesn't actually the fact that Haley Steinfeld becomes you know more important as his buddy. You know, there's trust, there's protectiveness going both ways, but she needs to do the blabbering and the talking, and Haley's so good at saying too much and having no filter and being hilarious with her cute awkwardness. Um, here she is, I think, in a second. Charlie. Love that, you know, these days men have girls' names and vice versa. Um, something, if you, if you out there are watching The Dark Crystal on Netflix, my favorite movie, uh, one of my favorite movies ever, I haven't had a chance to watch the new series. I hear it's spectacular. But I remember when I was a kid, you know, there's two Gelflings who are the only two remaining sort of good guy little elves. Um, and, 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 but the one we spend most of the time with in the beginning is named Jen, but it's a boy, but it somehow work, you know, because of the Tolkien thing, you, you don't think of it, but you got Michael Burnham, Michael on Star Trek Discovery, which is pretty good. Um, oh, right. Her dad. Okay. First major problem, daddy issues. They added daddy issues in Tomb Raider. They didn't need it. She was obsessed with daddy issues in Edge of uh, 17, but there it was Great. Yeah, more acne. She's constantly letting them put acne all over her. She's so, you know, flawless. Yeah, in real life, her, her skin. Already love Haley Steinfeld. People loved her in the trailers. People loved her in Pitch Perfect. And people lo- are loving her here. She's smelling herself. <laughs> um, but Edge of 17, her dad dying, in, in, you know, is necessary. We see the flashback. It's already happened in order to sell her character throughout that film. But this, that was the first, right, this whole thing here as a cause for rebellion with her not dad, um, kissing her mom, you know, already seems, you know, a little predictable in the writing, especially with the growing up movie, especially a coming of age movie, and especially one modeled in the 80s formula. But what's great is the these parents who seem annoying, weird, especially to her, end up really helping her. Um, and this, you know, in Edge of Seventeen, she kind of has to be the big girl um, or, or become the big girl in the family to a certain degree. Here, the stepfather becomes unbelievably supportive of her um, when she needs him most and needs them most. I think, if I remember this correctly, that's what happens. Um, Heli Seinfeld is natural in drama. She's natural in comedy. She's natural in human relationships with adults, with with girls older than her, with boys of all ages. This is funny. Her dorky brother in the dorky karate suit with the <laughs> with the hair all over the place. Again, because they were consciously rebooting the nostalgia in hopefully a positive way, and indeed most Transformers fans at least appreciated this as a, you know, loyal to 80s Transformers far more than any of the Michael Bay movies. But of course you have to have the 80s music, there's the 80s roller coasters, the 80s hair, the 80s clothes, the 80s cars. Um, but, the one thing I will give Miss uh, with Captain Marvel, they you know it was in the '90s. They really didn't rub it in your face. They mostly did it through music, with like No Doubt and what they play some Nirvana and so forth. Um, you know, Adventureland is another case of this. That was obviously a super indie movie. Um, Kristen Stewart and Ryan Reynolds from a long time ago. Uh, but you know, they used the the old school theme park exactly the job that she's doing and exactly sort of hating life, watching all this consumerism and people she doesn't like. Here's a love interest. I really like that they don't push it. 
Um, you know, this guy is almost like a character that could have been one of the awkward acapella guys in Pitch Perfect. Maybe that's why they cast him and or wrote for him that way. Um, you know, as much as I love Benji, uh, Benjamin Applebaum, I just want to saw you in half from Pitch Perfect 2. Benji's puppy love for Haley Steinfeld's character Emily in Pitch Perfect 2 Especially if you've seen in, seen in Love One with Benji and, and Jesse, and how far Benji's come, but he's still an awkward, you know, m- magic guy. Oh God, beefcake! Here comes eighties music. Um, but uh, you know, if you've seen Pitch Perfect One, and then you see two. It's very adorable that him and Emily, you know, kind of you know, have some sparks together. I guess you would say. Although he even screws up the kiss she gives him at the end because he thought he was, he, he was just going to do a magic trick. Um, and, but the best Haley Steinfeld relationship by far and for mainstream movies, I think, is Age of 17 with the Asian guy, the smart, rich Asian kid who bucks most Asian stereotypes other than maybe having severe parents. This guy's great um, and gives her the car, obviously. Um you know, and the Asian guy is very open about liking, um, I can't remember what Haley's name was in Edge of 17. He's very open about it. She's obsessed as, you know, many, like, let's put it this way. There are many lost 17-year-old boys and girls who fall in love with the bad boy or the bad girl, um, specifically because they're bad boy and the bad girl. And she almost gets date raped, essentially, Haley Steinfeld. But just because the guy thinks she just wants to get it on, and he's a douche, and she wants a whole relationship. She doesn't see what's before him. Um, and the Asian guy we know throughout the movie is putting together, you know, a, a pretty serious animated project as a competition or something. And you know, when Haley Steinfeld's character in Edge of Seventeen finally gets it together, she goes um, uh, and she goes to see it. And it's obviously, you know, a, a, a satire and a parody of those their relationship or non-relationship and her being crazy and him being, you know, kind of, I don't remember. I just remember there's a dinosaur and, and some vomiting and, and a, a, a Ferris wheel, like all stuff that either happens in Edge of 17, you know, but exaggerated with crazy animation. And it totally is about her, but she's blown away by how beautiful it is. And she wants to now hang with him. And in, in a great turn at the end, she was like, I, I, I'm, you know, she admits she was missing it the whole time. Here's her falling in love with B. She, you know, basically she says to him what we're all thinking, which is this is obviously about their relationship, non-relationship to that point. The Asian kid says, uh, you're being kind of selfish again, like you've been the whole time. And she's horrified because she thought he made the big step. And then he, you realize he's completely fucking with her. Uh, and it's like, it's like, yeah, it's about you, but I'm glad, you know, I'm, I, I'm glad you saw it and, uh, you know, let's go hang out with some people. It's still high school. Maybe who, who knows what will happen. Um, there's just a lot of great scenes between them. The, so, the, so, right. So things that seem there. So one thing that seems it's not going to work. That's cliched is the stepdad, the dad, and now the stepdad, what you would think. This is cool. This is like contact. This is exactly how contact starts, but, not, you know, not Cybertron and, you know, this, this sci-fi. Uh, they start, they're starting to kill all the good guy, um, uh, Transformers. So, yes. So the stepfather thing ends up being way, both way more important and way better, uh, writing and plot-wise than you think. The guy who likes her... 
is mostly important because she needs another human to believe what she's experiencing and seeing. And since they resist any real sense of romance until the end, I'm always saying late romances sold late, like Kate Mara and Sebastian Stan at the very end of The Martian, who are, you know, when they when they do the space kiss, you know, it's so obvious the two of them would end up being a couple, but they don't try and sell it at all during the whole Martian. So, you know, subtle romances sold late are, are totally fine with me. Now, the guy that got... Is not annoying. He's just not particularly charismatic. Boom. That's the uh, Snoke, the Snoke uh, murder move by Kylo, but going up and down. And what the trailer did great is what I praise the Rogue One trailer, final Rogue One trailer, and the final Wonder Woman trailer, which is, you know. They didn't spoil any of the big battle stuff, but this early stuff, sort of the origin story of her wanting the car, getting the car, and then discovering B, they showed us in the trailer. But as I'm always saying, we're not going to these movies to see the first 20, 30, 35 minutes. The first act. We're there to see acts 2, 3, and 4, and 5. Got to get people invested. They had to show the scene we're about to see with B in the garage. And I think... The problem with the movie, I hate to say it, is while they nailed the concept of B being the lead, it forces Helly Steinfeld, who's an extremely generous and non-forceful actor, I mean, she stole Pitch Perfect too, but not because she was stealing the screen, it was just every time she was doing something in the front or the back, even if it was brief, and seemingly sort of tertiary, she was hilarious and sweet and awkward and so forth, so she t- totally lays in the cut as B's sidekick, but they don't really let her break out because they never want it to be fully a story about her. But it's enough of a story about her and her family and her buddy and, of course, her and B that it, d- it does end up uh, playing. Oh, Alf. Right. So they're referencing Alf, Alien Life Form, which is a comedic, oh, the funny alien. But really, this movie is about E.T., not about Alf. And there's direct references and shots and themes she feels nothing for this family. She has major problems with her brother and mom, and I just have a teeth to say the least. But she's not, and she hates them for most of the movie, but it still feels like her family. Here she feels no connection, and they have to help her and believe her when no one else does, uh, you know, in order for that to happen. Piano music. And also never love. Um, but again, they're trying to sell these relationships super fast. Miss you, Dan. Yep. I don't think it's a direct parallel. It was this way. I don't think Christina Hudson, the writer, decided to do this whole father story, alienated from the rest of the family, blah, 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 because it ha- also happened in Edge of Seventeen. In fact, Hudson and the director Travis Knight and everyone else involved might have been tempted to uh, pull back on it, so it didn't mirror Edge of Seventeen too much. But because Edge of Seventeen, I mean, if Pitch Perfect was her mainstream breakout, True Grit was her, you know, childhood um, Oscar nomination breakout, and then you know, Edge of Seventeen was sort of her indie breakout. But because it was her and Woody Harrelson, who people already loved, and Haley Steinfeld, who people were starting to catch on to. Um, I guess what I'm saying is them mirroring some of Edge 17 here as part of her story, but that it goes in a different direction in a lot of ways, mostly having to do with B, obviously, but not just B. Um, 
you know, it, 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 it's working out. Oh no, smile for a change, the benefits of a positive attitude. I mean, her mom played by uh, Kira, um, what's her name, Kira, Kevin Bacon's wife. Uh, her mom is totally crazy in Edge of 17. These guys are, you know, way too normal, you know, 80s parents, you know, the Reagan optimism, you know, there's not a lot of political commentary. Well, let's put it this way. The military stuff, there's definitely political commentary in this movie. But in terms of them, you just hate them. Their smiles. Now, you could already tell early that it was serious, that they weren't like Stepford wives and husbands. But you also could tell that this, you know, we didn't want her to be nearly as troubled and young and insecure as as Haley in Edge of Seventeen. You know, she was turning into a full woman here, an adult. And what better way to be an adult than have your own car? You know, certainly became part of the American way, 50s, 60s, 70s, 80s. Is still a part of the American way today. She needs some independence. And it's not because you want to drive and run away, but just the idea that you could with your car and then that you could drive around and do your own thing. Um, you know, is a type of sort of existential freedom in our society. And on top of that, to go back to her buddy, um, uh, he just gives it to her. That's so sweet. So her friend Memo, I think is the name, um, played by Jorge Lendenberg or, or George Lendenberg. I think that's the guy. Anyways, you need someone to just have fun with her in the car, even if he didn't find that about Bug, which he does, and that's actually very important, because, like, you know, like, this is the superhero part of it, is it's one thing to have superpowers, but you kind of want at least one person in your life to know about your superpowers. Here, her superpower is having Bug, but developing the relationship with Bug, and so the fact that she gets to share the fun, but also the responsibility with someone who cares about her and who she can trust and at least relate to more than her family. Look at that. Haley Seinfeld just killing it. Killing it as a 19-year-old who's finally happy after being miserable up to this point. Look at that shot of her just... The thing ain't safe to drive. Um, also, the fact that she's a grease monkey and working in the shop and so she can fix it. And of course, it's her trying to fix it or at least tune it up coming up here where we get the B review that, that we... It's because of that that we get the B reveal. What's funny is, you know, some sites you look up the cast and it gives you five, six, seven cast members. Other sites, it will just give you the one or two top ones. In those sites, it's only Haley Steinfeld because Bumblebee, you know, isn't voiced after the beginning. There comes the drop. Here it comes. So we saw a compressed version of this in exactly this in the trailer. And it was this exploration with the what should have been a jump scare of him revealing himself and her not being afraid, but immediately wanting to get to know him, like with the kids in E.T. You know, this, I mean, when he hides in the corner, it's straight from E.T. He can't talk. He, he can't even say E.T. phone home. The fact that it's an arm that drops it looks a little... Uh, I won't go there. <laughs> Uh, there it is. I mean, it, it, I guess it's a minor. Uh, here it is. Here, boom. Spinning shot. She's inside of him, inside his guts. Very intimate. Just the fact that she's experiencing it. Um, so this is the second, the first reason to show this in the trailer is to get us pumped about their relationship and how cool B's going to look and how her reaction is different than 99.9%. Like John Cena or most people would be for this. 
Okay, so she is a little scared at first. In the trailer, they go immediately to trusting each other. And this is a natural reaction by both of them to be scared. You know, it, it's, it, you know, people don't realize. I mentioned the opening about Black Panther living in Africa. You know, even lions and, you know, major carnivores are more scared of us than we are of them. And almost all attacks by, by animals around the world, even snakes, is usually because they're scared of us. What is that car doing in our garage? He's already turned back to Bumblebee. Uh, one of the fun bits later, I can't remember if it was in one of the trailers or clips, is when he, she's sort of giving him uh, time trials, see how fast he can convert back to a bee to hide and disguise his identity. I wish you would have told me. I'm in the middle of some stuff, Mom. Look how calm Haley gets. I'm your mother. Really? We didn't know that. Keep giving her horrible advice in books, Mom. You know, in her being sort of early grunge here, you know, sort of Joan Jett type character, and her parents being like the new AG, you know, positive thinking thing, whereas she's really dealing with the pragmatism of reality. I mean, obviously this is science fiction, but the war that she gets involved with with B is really what's going on. And part of the problem with with America, exceptionalism, and being removed from the rest of the world, is that we think we can just go on our lives, even while we're doing crazy military ventures overseas, or just that crazy things are happening overseas. And so again, there's, there's not a direct political message in this movie, other than killing things you don't understand is a bad idea, which John Cena, you know, represents and learns over time. Now he's here. This is straight from the trailer. He's so scared of her. He's hiding. Everyone goes, oh, in the trailer and in the theater. Oh, he's coming. She can read his body language. So in the trailer, this leads directly to her coming in and putting her hand on his face. You know, I always talk about, I talk about a lot in Star Trek 09 when after Vulcan gets blown up and Spock's traumatized, his mom's dead. Zoe doesn't know what to do, so Zoe Santana as a horror just puts her hands on his face and she's like, "What can I do? What can I do?" It's such an intimate gesture, hand on face, um, whether you're lovers or whether you've never met before. Here it is. She puts it away, even something that's like a minor weapon, not gonna hurt you. Yep. The whole middle of the trailer. There's almost no action in the trailer until the end. Here it is. Uh, This is like the Vulcan. I mean, even the way she puts it on his head is almost like the Vulcan mind meld. She can feel the energy that he is alive. This was so important. Another thing we didn't get in the other Transformers movie. Maybe not even the old cartoons that people worship. Look at this. So my guess is when they have these close-ups where it's just her in the head, they have something practical there. Obviously, they do some CGI, the eyes, but I think she's really touching something. She has to be. And because of the lack of movement and sort of mechanical, you can get away with it. You like my shirt? This was a movie I wasn't sure I was going to watch again, but because of Haley Steinfeld, I felt like there was a good shot. And now with her, 
so uh, so a caveat to my great prediction of Heli Steinfeld. So I did Pitch Perfect two commentary very early on in 2015 that had just come out. I had not no idea who Heli Steinfeld was, including True Grit and that whole thing until after seeing Pitch Perfect. So just seeing Pitch Perfect two, I'm like, this girl's a star, you know, like with Lizzie Olsen and Gal Gadot. I was like, this girl's a star. She's going places. I then found out she was a child actress who had already been nominated. Didn't know what the future would hold, um, but. I, uh, you know, I knew she had a good voice from Pitch Perfect, but to launch a full pop career, even knowing she was friends with Taylor Swift and actually being good at it, having tons of followers. I mean, her YouTube videos have hundreds of millions. Look at that smile. Oh, she's so cute. I, I, let's put it this way. Just like I thought Black Panther would be huge, but not as big as it was, I knew Haley Steinfeld was going to be huge, but I didn't necessarily think it would be this quickly. Meaning, I didn't think it, by 2019, after Bumblebee, Pitch Perfect 2, and Edge of 17, just that and a couple other things uh, in her music, I didn't think that would be enough to get like a $100 million deal, which is what I think she's going to get with Marvel if they go for the long-term contract. So these just random... C- Characters, like I think these are just random characters that get murdered by uh, by Decepticons. Yep, here it is. Oh, here comes. Is this another set of bad guys? Sounds like bad guy music. Coming right for us. Ninety-three cents for gas in the eighties. Gotta love it. That might have been expensive because of the on off on and off again gas crises. Another one. Oh no. You know the other thing is you could have good guys and bad guys bombing on purpose and an accident parts of the United States, but it's not the apocalyptic end of the world stuff that's in literally every other Transformers movie and, you know, literally other major Hollywood movie. Uh-oh. Not sure we needed this scene. The Decepticons deceiving... I mean, that's where Decepticon, obviously, you guys come from. The Decepticons deceiving Cena and his people was really enough. Um, you know, this is... This is just them murdering humans out of curiosity. Maybe they're just learning. They're testing their powers to see just how easily it is to murder humanity. So that was really easy. So now they're making plans to take over the entire West Coast. I'm not going to say it was a bad scene. I'm not going to say it's poorly written. It just felt, in terms of placement, a little weird. But they wanted to keep bringing the Decepticons and building the tension because you know they're coming after B because he's the linchpin of bringing Optimus Prime and so forth to Earth. Have a nice day. She's smiling. She didn't even read the book. <laughs> Uh-oh. Is he gone? Whoops. Oh, did her mom return the car? I think her mom... Oh, God. Parents. I think her mom returned the car. Just to... Just... She's not... Does She doesn't think she's ready for it. Mom doesn't think... And this guy. <laughs> yeah, he's funny. 
He's funny. You could almost say he's too much of a hipster, you know, and too smooth and too good looking, but he's actually a good actor and, and a good foil for her. Uh, mom took it to the vet. She They needed the extra car. So they're getting on her immediately for bringing the car, but they only have one because they're not a super rich family. Uh-huh. So she takes the B. So, she, you know, so, so Haley has asked permission, but mom doesn't. One day in, mom's already borrowing the car. This movie got very good critic scores. 92%. As I mentioned, IMDb and Rotten Tomatoes audience scores are easily manipulatable. A great example is Supergirl, which is a show that's loved by a wide audience. It has like a 6.0 on IMDb. You know, when Game of Thrones has a 9.9. It's just, in, you know, with movies in particular, people love to trash on these movies. It's I don't think it was just because it's a female. Oh, that was part of it. They didn't want to have a female lead in a Transformers movie like Shia LaBeouf. You know, is anything. I mean, Haley Steinfeld is Shia LaBeouf plus Megan Fox times like a million on every level. That was part of the point. Um, and they go out of their way, as usual, to not over-sexualize her because she's already super pretty and beautiful. But she looks like the girl next door. She looks like the average girl. And that's the important thing. Most Him. Oh, right. She's saying she's worried about the dog, but she's really talking about B. Shouldn't be driving such an emotional state emergencies. I'm a nurse. <laughs> but, but I will say, I think after all the end of the world stuff, not just Transformers, but everything, including Marvel, including DC, including Star Wars, Fast and the Furious, I mean, you know, everything's always end of the world. It was nice to have a story like this, which, you know, in the end, in the beginning and in the end, seems like it could be a major apocalyptic scenario, but since it's just a few good guy players, robot and non-robot, and just a few bad guy players, robot and non-robot, it's a little bit of a quote-unquote smaller story, and I'm glad they didn't shy away from that, and, you know, yes, it's a $135 million budget, which is half of what or a third of of what these giant movies normally cost, it's still $135 million. So I remember seeing the budget and being like, I don't know how well this movie's going to do, but it's certainly enough money to do the special effects that we need. And as I, as I said earlier in the podcast, even though she's not fighting in this, this is her superhero training. She's protecting a secret. She does have a type of superpower. Like, if, if Iron Man has his super suits, she has him. This is so cute. They showed this as a stinger. I mean, I'm good, thanks. Oh, it's. I mean, look how real that looks. Uh, Russ, her hair. I think that was you know sort of a Matrix style arm there that was practical. She's immediately concerned. She's super maternal. She's trying to train him. Um, and she does have to be physical in the movie, even though she doesn't fight. Um, but you know, with great power comes great responsibility. The Spider-Man cliche that never stops being true when it comes to superheroes. This is something that she's doing as well. Another thing I credited this movie well before it came out in my podcast six months before with Britney when they dropped the first big trailer was it already looked like we weren't going to have the, the the Anakin Skywalker origin story of like, oh, Haley Steinbaum's going to be a super annoying teenager who's super immature, you know, blah, 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 blah. And yes, she's a little mad and she has to do a little growing up. He's put, literally put his head in the sand, which is the absolutely wrong thing to do. <laughs> um... 
But because B is the kid who's trying to learn how to do stuff and she's acting like the mom, it's a great dynamic. Shows you how naturally maternal she is. You know, the twist in um, Edge of 17 is that her older brother, who's hooking up with her best friend, which is what's causing all the problems, ends up being the adult. You know, her mom's off her rocker. Haley Steinfeld's character is super immature. Um, And uh, the the older brother ends up having to, you know, be the mature one without the the father around, who it seemed like had been sort of the moral, you know, spiritual head of the family. So now we also have a scientist saying, you know, maybe we shouldn't just shoot everything. So this is, right, this is the, um, this is the deal with the devil scene. This is the deal with the devil. I don't know if they do a direct threat here. Humans are multiplying. Please let me kill them. So again, it's going to be praise, small criticism, praise, small criticism. The humor doesn't totally hit in this film. But Cena is hilarious when he gets the chance, and Haley Steinfeld is very, very cute and funny when she gets the chance. Um, as I was saying earlier, I wasn't sure this was a movie I would rewatch, but watching it now, because it looks cool, and the B stuff with Haley's so great, and the, the other great choice here was not lingering too long on the bad guys, which I'm always complaining about. Bad guys should not be in movies more than 20% of the time unless you're Darth Vader or Kylo Ren. Or I suppose Thanos in the final movies, Loki, etc. Or, or the Joker. When you got mustache twirling bad guys, or in this case, confused mil- American military and mustache twirling robots, don't spend too much time. Here they're offering weapons of mass destruction to the American army. The army. There's a war raging on our planet. So, this is interesting. The Decepticons aren't totally wrong that war would find the way to Earth. What they're not saying is that they're going to try to take over Earth either way. But in terms of, in terms of Bumblebee being sort of the beachhead, or whatever it's called, um, so to speak, for the good guy, the good guy Transformers, yeah, John Cena's already having thoughts, second thoughts about this. These are always the best characters. The one that you think are just tough guys and maybe they'll turn in the end. Cena really is already going through the journey. And they never break eye contact. She's always looking the exact right way. They had must have had something someone's holding on the wheels so that she's always looking in the right way. But, the, you know, sometimes B's standing straight up like here. Sometimes he's hunched. Sometimes he's, you know, almost in car form, but you still see his eyes. I mean, he never looks not there. He never looks not there to me. So here's another intimate moment between the two of them. You know, the Shape of Water stuff, or slash, you know, 80s teeny stuff where they're like swimming together later, is so over the top. That's sort of the point. And me as being a giant AI guy, a man-machine guy, and a guy who grew up with the original Transformers, mostly toys, but I love the mythology, watch the shows, and I've always been into both dark and sort of more playful AI stuff, that Transformers at its best, including the original cartoons, is a story of machines. Here we go. Optimus Prime, B-127. So we get the voice, but not from B. Our war rages on. Right, our war rages on. Survival. 
It's awesome. Uh, now we're revisiting the the war with uh man. Oh, dude, Cybertron stuff is. I mean, Man of Steel's got nothing on this. I forgot we got more. This was so. This is so smart. Yep, as usual with movies, I expect to really like, end up just liking, but I love the cast and the concepts. This is way cooler than I remember. I forgot we got Optimus Prime kicking more fucking ass, as well as getting his ass beat in the middle of this, but I... That's actually more. I've been describing all the stuff in the trailers. I got people hyped. Haley Steinfeld, the B reveal. But they gave this speech from Optimus, not with a broken transmission. You know, Obi Wan Kenobi, you're my only hope. But it, towards the end of the trailer, we heard the full speech with the full glory of Optimus Prime, and that's the connectivity. Is as bad as all the Michael Bay movies have been. The the physical portrayal. Moral, you know, uh, certitude, uh, inner and outer strength, and just the design of Optimus Prime, you know, was the one thing that Michael Bay nailed. And so, you know, this was like the Obi-Wan Kenobi thing. Even if you don't like the prequels, we all love you, you and McGregor as Obi-Wan. Even if we hate all the Transformers movie, Optimus Prime is awesome and has always been awesome and will continue to be awesome. And so to hear that voice was the thing that united us who love the original Transformers with Optimus Prime and B, and those who, you know, kind of shyly admit that they like some of the Michael Bay stuff, even while they were excited for this more loyal, low-key vision. Oh, here's the Breakfast Club! Another Pitch Perfect reference! I guess Haley's Haley's not in Pitch Perfect 1. I was going to say, that's two Breakfast Clubs. Oh, man, and B does it! I wonder... I mean, you know, the Breakfast Club soundtrack and movie is the key to Pitch Perfect on basically every level. And they're not even trying to hide it. And while this movie is more, I mean, obviously more directly trying to, you know, pay tribute slash imitate and do a new version of John Hughes and so forth, I don't know. I mean, this is six years after Pitch Perfect 1. Haley became mostly famous in two. Here's footage of her dad. She's going to start losing it. He's just trying to learn more about it, about her. Right. She immediately feels sorry because he's not trying to hurt her. Um, is this so? Is this the Rick Roll thing where she tries to put music in in his body and he doesn't like any of it because '80s music, you know, there's some good '80s music, but the stuff people liked at the time hasn't necessarily held up. At least to some of us. She's continually fixing him. I mean, it's right in his crotch. You know? But again, this is the opposite of Ex Machina. In Ex Machina, we see sexualized robots that seem to just be slaves. That we find out Oscar Oscar Isaac is abusing slash fucking his robots. This is the opposite. Exit in his belly. Which is super cute. Oh, look at him. Uh, Does he spy? And that's how he finds it. The Smiths. So it's funny that he wouldn't like the Smiths, who are genuinely loved by music lovers, from friends of mine from my generation to my parents' generation. Um, but he shoots them all out. It's funny gags. I totally forgot that we got... I knew we got Optimus Prime hologram from the trailer, but getting the Optimus Prime more ass-kicking in the middle was glorious. Because you need even a movie like this, to have three big action set pieces. We got two in the beginning, 
Uh, look at her face. It's the Rickroll. They showed this as the end of the trailer. He doesn't like any of it. <laughs> um, you know, there's there's a theme in this movie of, you know, all the things need to be said that don't need to be spoken, you know? Said without being said. Spoken without being spoken. He's looking at the records. That's her dad's collection. She's very sensitive about it. Another stock theme, but they're killing it because of these two. You know, so my horrible prediction that this would beat or at least meet Aquaman, they both got good reviews. Aquaman made more than twice the money of this. Now, most of that was overseas. This movie didn't do that bad domestically. Um, I have no idea if they've greenlit a sequel. I think Haley Steinfeld, between her pop career, Dickinson, other projects, and it looks like the Marvel Cinematic Universe does not have time to do another Bumblebee movie. I believe, actually, we are getting a Bumblebee movie without Haley Steinfeld that's going to, you know, now be about all the Transformers, but but in the rebooted form of old, old school Generation 1. But yeah, I, I, you know, I'll give it to Christina Hodgson, uh, the writer, and Travis Knight, the director. They turn the classic scene, you know, of him accidentally showing footage of dad, hitting a hurt nerve, and then the records from dad, and that hits a nerve. But because it's B, and she can already tell he's a purest of a pure soul, whatever the fuck he is, and she needs a friend who she can share all this with. She's not her family. She doesn't have a lot of close friends. That's the other connection with Edge of 17, is with all her appealing traits, her being kind of antisocial, she doesn't have a lot of friends. That's why the setup in Edge of Seventeen is her be- her one best friend, her one close friend, sleeping with her brother, just drives her off the deep end. She's crying, killing it, killing it. Oh, so she now in two straight Haley Steinfeld movies, she's sold a relationship with the dead father that we never see except indirectly, in different ways, in different responses, but drawing from the same source. In the other movie, she had to confide in her, her Asian buddy who has a crush on her. She tries to with her mom. Her mom's never listening. But here, she has a true listener. And, you know, she can sense that while B can't talk, he's understanding her. And it comes from the emotional reaction in the beginning where she's scared for 30 seconds, gets her mom out, and immediately touches his face. They've had the bond. And... Oh, he has the sad eyes. Is he petting her? So, we're 50 minutes in. There's probably about 45 to 50 left, so we're almost exactly halfway through. Here's the problem. I remember this happening. It's less than an hour. They've bonded. They've moved the Decepticon plot forward. All right, here's John Cena. Is he gonna? Have you lost your damn mind? Oh yeah, this is the horrible mayor for the wire. Get who gets caught with the blowjob by Dom, which elevates Dom's career. So Cena, right? They literally call themselves Decepticons. Yeah, you have to make fun of the fact that they're deceivers. So is Cena, is Cena already a good guy, or 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 just clear-headed? Right. This is the problem: is they're going to go to the Russians if the Americans don't agree. 
Do you really want to go down the history as the men who cost us the Cold War? Mmm. All right. This is the... If, if we don't do it, someone worse than us will. But Cena was the one who had the moment with Bumblebee. I forgot that Cena was mostly good guy in intentions and actions. Gentle robots. Yeah, Cena nails it in this movie. I mean, there's only four major characters or so, so calling him six man off the bench is tough. Uh, but he's definitely the MVP in that I had no doubt that B and Haley would be great together. But I thought Cena was going to be a bad guy till the end, who was mostly funny and sort of semi-evil and then turn. Um, but the fact that he's already, and we see this, you know, in, in comic book movies, he's already disturbed that he's being pulled along. And what's obviously manipulation, that's probably going to lead to them dying too. They're asking about the telephone network. So now they're tuning. Right, so my question was, how are they going to fill out 45 more minutes? And I knew that there was going to be some stuff with this guy and them just riding B around, but I knew there had to be a final battle too. So I'm wondering if my issue with this is automatic is is essentially going to be oh uh, right he just pushes in and sees Bumblebee. Oh boy. Uh oh. Nope. He he nailed the car, but it's too late. Right. This is the superhero sharing the secret. This is Rachel. Uh, Rachel Dawes knowing Batman slash Bruce Wayne's secret. He needs her to know it, as complicated as the relationship is. And this actually bonds them as friends. This actually makes it less romantic, it, m- more believable, more palatable. So, yes, yeah, so what I'm wondering is I'm going to feel this movie's too short, actually, up below 145, to be honest with you. I have to run you over with my car. She's threatening murder. I don't mean that in a mean way, running over my car. Yep. This is totally like someone seeing Batman getting dressed, someone seeing the Flash out of uniform, somebody out of uniform. Yep. I mean, this, this is a super origin story, but it is the origin story of Bumblebee, which is the, it's called Bumblebee. It's what we wanted to see, and it's why we need Helly Steinfeld to grow up very quickly because of this guy. And what's great is with, with, with her there, they, these two have to immediately trust each other. Oh, he waves. And, and so the, her buddy, um, who I think is a character in the, maybe in the cartoons or movies? Memo? I don't know. Right, so here's here comes the thing. This is the teenage thing. They're going to open the top, put their hands out. They're going to dive in the water. Uh, oh, you know what? You know what? When I watched this, I didn't think I knew that it was an hour 45. I thought it was a full two hours. So I was actually expecting way more of this. They're, you know, they're even playing John Hughes-esque music. Oh, uh, this is the superpower, right? She can she can be Daredevil with B because B can drive himself, right? I thought there was gonna be whoops, there it goes. I thought there was gonna be a ton of this because I thought the movie was gonna be longer and they were just gonna draw it out. But because they keep stressing the threat, getting closer and closer, faster and faster, they couldn't linger on this. This is also representative of them still being kids, and also representative of B and her, but especially B 
maybe not realizing or taking seriously how bad the situation really is. I guess they have no way of knowing. They think he's undercover. Now, did they ever see him in B form is the question, the Decepticons, because he, you know, he's not in B form, right? In the beginning? Oh, man. So this is like, this is, this is the early web, early internet mixed with telephones. They're hooking these advanced AIs in. What could possibly go wrong? And this is why this movie ends up working on numerous levels for me. Cause despite the fact that it's a semi corny Bumblebee Transformers movie, they, they deal with the Cold War. And, you know, this was sort of the first time that you could hack into global electronics and cause nuclear destruction across the planet. Right. Yep, yep, yep. This is giving them, giving them, they're buying them off. They're buying off the army with power. All the best powerful villains do this, especially the ones who have a plan of global destruction. Right. No idea where he came from. Yep, she's already putting together about the experimentation that's probably going to happen. Um,. It is a nice subtle it, it is a nice subtle touch of the writing that let's put it this way. This girl and her economic background and what we know about her, which isn't much, except what's sold through personality with Haley Steinfeld, you might think she'd be smart but not worldly, but she knows enough about humanity and you know, the Cold War was on everybody's mind that um here comes the, the hangout party scene before the final battle and all the tension and fireworks. Um, that, that, you know, she's just so smart that she could read a few newspaper clips over here. Her parents watch the nightly news and put together that the, Bumblebee plus military is a bad idea. Okay. So why is there a whole hippie party going on here? Um, I lived in Israel for a while. They have a ton of beaches. The Tel Aviv beaches are spectacular. There was always parties on the beaches. This is the West coast. Maybe that's what's going on. What are they all looking at? Oh, is this the... Right, so this guy's the mirror of the hipster the hipster douchebag who, you know, thinks this girl... Haley Steinfeld sends him a very sexual message, almost by accident, that she shares with Woody Harrelson. Uh, and so, of course, he gets the wrong idea because th- that guy's a douchebag. Um, and Haley... It's not date rape because he just has the wrong idea. Then he starts forcing himself. This is Ezra 17 I'm talking about. He sort of starts forcing himself on her. She's horrified. That's when she calls Woody, sees Woody's family, realizes way more to him, and has her sort of mental breakthrough with her own family, with her, you know, Asian boy um, who she had kind of been looking past. And this is the uh, this is the equal. You need these in the teen movies, I suppose. You know, not just Haley Steinfeld movies. Um, you need the guy who you know a teenage girl would just like. Now, here, I'm thinking Haley's well older than at 17 in terms of storytelling. Maybe she'd be less likely, but to be honest with you guys, no one grows up till the end of their 20s unless they're super mature, men or women. Women tend to mature a little earlier, but still not till 25. Men, it's closer to 30. Um, and I don't know, crush on this guy or the sort of new, uh, you know, new shit that's come to light with Bumblebee. This seems like a terrible idea. Um, 
this is like a scary, I don't know, she's still afraid. This is like a scary version of the very funny, similar seed with Mila Kunis and Jason Segel in, um, in, uh, Forgetting Sarah Marshall, where she jumps to test his, you know, being at least a little bit of a badass. He jumps, he gets stuck, and then, like, rolls off the side, and then they kiss, and then it's romantic, and then he goes to shit, and it's romantic. Great movie, Sarah Marshall. So, you could argue you needed a scene, regardless if you like this writing or not, and I'm not a giant fan, it's not terrible, and the character actors are fine. You could argue you needed this scene to, to talk about how she's a social outcast and heart, uh, you know, not hard and, and solidify her love for B, her attachment to B, and even this other guy who's actually a nice guy. These girls are, are horrible. At least the girl, uh, Rachel Weiss, uh, not Rachel Weiss, uh, Rachel McAdams and so forth, it, uh, Mean Girls, it's funny because Mean Girls is a comedy. These girls are just horrible, but it doesn't matter. Because even though this really upsets Haley Steinfeld as Charlie, it's a way different reaction that she that she has in her various traumas where she keeps threatening to kill herself with Woody Harrelson. He's like, he's like, keep talking, keep talking. You know, she just wants attention. She's an extremist in terms of being impulsive. Revenge. I'm mad. Come on, I got an idea. Oh, uh, yep. Okay, this is where the movie started losing me. The last scene and this scene are, I mean, n- not only are these done in, in both 80s movies, but also like Freaks and Geeks, it's just done way better. <clears throat> Having B be a saboteur and a, a miscreant, I'm not sure what this does. Is this the last moment of irresponsible childhood to contrast with the world-ending shit she's about to get involved with? I have no idea. I have no clue. And again, this is a part of the problem with PG-13, is who is the audience? Parts of this movie, it seems like like here, is definitely kids and you know young teens. Other parts, you know, when you're getting more serious about Man and Machine and the big battles is like mid to late teens and to adults. You know, could you, could you, in the old days, you could have easily made this movie PG. This movie should be PG. I mean, it's robot violence. You could reduce the human violence by 20%, make it a PG family movie. It would have made way more money. Aquaman had to be PG-13. I'm sure there are many, you know, darker moments in that movie. As fun as it, you know, it was to some people, or at least they were trying to be, you know. I'll have to look this up. You know, the, the, the historical reality, I think, is that rated R movies come from the Temple of Doom with Spielberg and Lucas, and the censors were finally like, okay, you guys have gone too far. We've got to create an, uh, was it an R rating? No, maybe they created the PG-13 rating for Temple of Doom. Um, You know, this whole system is out of whack. So many of the good uh, um, action and genre movies from John Wick to Tarantino stuff to Deadpool to Logan has all been rated R the past few years. Hopefully Batman and or Suicide Squad in the next couple of years will be rated R. Um or do PG stuff. And that's one of the many reasons the Disney streaming channel of the Disney family, of which I believe Charlie will be, a, I'm sorry, Haley Steinfeld will be a part in, um, is, is going to be 
uh, a relief to parents because they're, I think they're going to really delineate. I mean, there'll be tons of parental controls, obviously, but they're really going to delineate. Oh God, the same caught by the cops. They're really going to delineate movies for various ages. Like, I don't think it's just going to be like G, you know, R or M or PG, blah, 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 you know, like movie ratings. Cause a lot of them are TV shows or TV movies. I think it's going to be more like recommended from ages two to three recommendations recommended from age ages, uh, four to seven. So I was kind of getting to before, but I, you know, I took a break until I'm seeing the last 10, 15 minutes of this. What I was trying to say earlier is that in some ways this movie's too long in terms of scenes that could easily be cut or handled differently, including this scene, the previous scene and the beat scene could all have been handled totally differently. I think there's still a water, the shape of water seed or whatever coming up with B. This doesn't serve anything having to do with the plot. I don't think, other than we start seeing B's powers, trying to save Charlie and Charlie's buddy. Um, and yet the movie also feels too short, even if you cut those scenes, um, because while the three or four action scenes are glorious, they're not particularly long. It's not what the movie's about. But, you know, I don't, I've never seen a really good movie that's an hour and a half. Like, Pitch Perfect, it's like 89 minutes... It's it is pitch perfect. It's minimalist perfection, but it, you know it, it almost goes too quickly. You know, Thor one is like an hour forty, and the stuff on Earth is the best. You don't have enough time on Asgard. You don't have enough. T- they're trying not to kiss. Yeah, I think this was just to show B doing B things. You know, he may not be the biggest. He may not be the strongest. He may not have the most weapons, but he's acrobatic as hell and scrappy and knows how to survive. Okay. They're laughing. So now we're 40 minutes from the end. So we can't be more than one or two scenes. Again, the beach scene toilet paper was to build this relationship. They could have done such a more interesting version. And this is where I wonder if there's meddling with studios. I mean, Christina Hodgson, who everyone's so high on before this and then after this leading up to Birds of Prey and B, and Travis Knight, who was, you know, one of the most sought after young, young directors, you'd think that they would avoid like the plague, the, the 15 to 20 minutes of just derivative teenage high school stuff in the middle especially how great everything was before and how it's going to continue to build and be really cool going forward you know Gally Bill and Dan I think you know it's also calm before the storm even though she was embarrassed but then she got you can have my pop tart um, she was embarrassed, but then they felt empowered with the toilet paper, and then they escaped the cops because of Bumblebee superpowers. You know, I, I think again, yeah, this is the you know calm before the storm, as I say, before you get kicked in the balls over and over again in movies like this until the good guys hopefully win in the end. God, as unhealthy as our food is today, it was really horrible from the fifties through the eighties and nineties. Again with the Breakfast Club. Oh my God. Def, this is, must be a tribute to Pitch Perfect. Although many movies and artistic properties have referenced and used, stolen from, and you know made symbolic gestures towards the Breakfast Club. So I might be reading too much into it. But when it comes to Anna Kendrick, Haley Steinfeld, and Pitch Perfect, anything related to that, 
tend to be a little subjective. I should say that while Haley Steinfeld is definitely one of my girls, and she's gorgeous and getting more gorgeous as she gets older, and she's got a great screenplay, and she's very easy to watch, you know, she has a great combination of a beautiful face, but it's a little rounded, it's more accessible, um, you know, she's definitely one of my girls, um, but unlike, you know, Brittany Snow, who I just fall in love with every time I see her on screen, speaking of Pitch Perfect, almost have trouble watching her, because she's, you know, just, just her type of beauty, um... I think, you know, again, that's part of Haley's charm is people are attracted to her on various levels. Maybe she's a waifu for you, or maybe she's just a character you like watching. But with the girl next door, not over-sexualizing her, pretty normal body, as tall as she is, you know, the cars, uh, the car, you know, um, her clothes, you know, being very low-key, doing the grungy rock thing, which looks cool, but not, you know, not over-sexualizing or... Uh, taking advantage of her. She's never had that problem. She's got a great brain trust. So this was the obvious scene that I was totally fine with, you know? I mean, of course he would want to explore the house when nobody's there. He's so curious. He's trying to learn, and he ruins everything because he's so big and doesn't know what he's doing. The problem is this came after three or four scenes of stock John Hughes teen movie. And as great as the reviews were overall for this movie, you know... Again, the user scores are so biased these days, it's hard to know the audience reaction. I know plenty of people who did not like this movie. Um, in fact, even though this was you know, supposed to be like the Transformers movie for people who haven't seen or don't watch Transformers movies, uh, it, was, it was definitely the fans that ended up liking it the most. So nothing else to accomplish that. Mmm, that's a problem. Oh, and the power surge is going to signal them. Yep, there's a plot reason. That's the problem with the teen scenes, is it doesn't push the plot. That last scene was great hijinks with Bumblebee, but the important thing was this, was that by accidentally tapping into too much power, you know, they, they are pretty sure that it has to be the bee that's doing it. Um... And so, teen scenes for teen sake, especially in an hour and 45 minute long movie, I think they could have done better. Luckily, all the characters are appealing enough and the shooting is great enough that it's never going to stop me from, maybe I think, you know, occasionally rewatching this, perhaps. But while I think this was what cemented her ability to be a lead character in a Hollywood movie, which was really important, um, after being, you know, a secondary lead in Pitch Perfect, um, and uh, she was obviously the lead in Edge of Seventeen, but that was still kind of an indie movie. Uh, so, it, I guess what I'm saying is, this was a confirmation that she could be an A1 lead in any type of weird Hollywood movie. And if Marvel had any or DC, no, if Marvel had any doubts, they're probably already thinking about her at this point. They're like, okay, we, we can we can mold this girl. You know, she's like. Extremely good in almost everything, and we can teach her the superhero stuff, which is the only thing that's left uh, to teach her, essentially, other than her just having experience. Then she became a pop star, which really worried me, both because she was wearing not professional clothing, in my opinion. I didn't like her music, even though she has a great voice, but she has improved her look, her music, 
and just grown up and, you know, a woman now having a real career as opposed to a famous young starlet having a pop, you know, star moment, um, which is what I was worried about. So that was, you know, that, let's put it this way, her not becoming a broken, has been brief, you know, pop, mediocre pop star, that not happening was at least as big as this happening. Um, that being said, of the three movies I keep mentioning, Pitch Perfect 2, you know, for all its problems, I could watch a ton of times, and uh, Edge of 17 as well for her and Woody. This doesn't have enough good relationships. It's just her and B. And you know what? As I watch this, it is a little bit more of the Helly Steinfeld show, a tiny bit than I kind of remembered. Um, although with Bumblebee, because of the effects budget and because they want to make him look so real in every frame, but also he's in hiding, you know, you didn't want to overexpose him. This character actress is great. I believe she's a comedic actress as well. I can't remember her name. So, right. So, uh, her mom, played by Kira Blanking, Kevin Bacon's wife, uh, in Edge of 17, is constantly giving her guilt trip speeches like this. Just because you've moved on to new life doesn't mean I found a replacement for dad. This is straight from Edge of 17, and this was also what kind of lost me with the movie. So I guess the, I guess the, uh, not the lesson here, but the takeaway for me so far is the first 45 to 50 minutes are basically flawless from a bizzle perspective, from me watching experience. But now the whole middle, you know, I said you don't want to see the villains, but now I'm almost sad we don't see more John Cena because now it's her being angry as a teenager and the guy she likes and not jumping off the cliff and then the toilet paper and yeah, this movie doesn't know what it wants to be. I mean, no, let me rephrase that. This movie knew too much what it wanted to be as a combination of E.T., John Hughes, some AI and Transformer stuff, and so on. But it was derivative not only of so many past movies, but even of her past movie of Edge of 17. Um, And so what they should have done is say, hey, why don't we not do the blatant John Hughes stuff, um, the angsty stuff? Uh, and, and just stick with the plot. Like, why not her have detective, do, be doing detective work? Like, Barbara Gordon, stop, uh, Babs, god damn you, Disney, she should be Babs. You know, why can't she do detective stuff? Up oh, here comes the army. Right. So, as a, if you're getting a little bored in the theater, then this happens, and you know it's gonna be a straight ride till the end. Um, stay cool, B. Um, you know, the, the, now they're gonna get you to the end, especially with Cena, and you're going, what side is he on? He doesn't even know what side he's on. Yeah, you don't mess with Haley Steinfeld. You don't mess with Charlie. Bumblebee will take you. Oh, man, John Cena's spitting. Do not run. Do not run. We're running. She ran. (laughs) Yeah, and this is great. Non-traditional love story. That's it. That's it. They took too much from the teen genre. They, they could have taken less. Had her do some mystery work in the middle or just complexified the situation with the military. Maybe have them have some close calls. Get away. They should have just stuck to the Transformers plot with a touch of teenage stuff as opposed to a bunch of teenage stuff and, and uh, you know, a, a good amount of Transformers stuff but too much teenage stuff. 
I know I'm not being super articulate about this, but if you are watching this and you have some critiques of the movie, you probably share some of what I'm saying. Right, there's ain't no more running, no more hiding. It would have been cool if they had one, even if it wasn't action, if they had almost crossed paths or crossed paths during that whole middle teen scene. Teeny sceny. Uh, they want the Prime. They want OP, baby. I never thought about that. Optimus Prime overpowered, maybe? Yeah, why doesn't he fight back? I think it's to protect her. Yep, and this is like the military, the police, you know, chasing E.T. So John Cena's been suspicious the whole time. Now he's like angrily taking down Bumblebee with this poor girl. Doesn't add up. Doesn't add up. You take out her, Cena, and just the way they do Bumblebee, all three are sold through performance better than the writing. Sorry, Christina Hodson. At the moment, the 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 what looks to be a, a tire fire uh, with... Um, uh, with Birds of Prey looks more Margot Robbie slash WB slash DC's fault than the writer because we haven't seen anything from the writing or acting of the Birds of Prey. Um, okay, so we, they bring her home. Cena. It. Highly Dangerous Machine. Oh, that's the thing. His somewhat simp- his simplistic mind combined with probably some PTSD and just fear of the Cold War. He's assuming all the robots are bad, even though he had the exchange with Bumblebee and heard that their evil plan. He's trying to save her from this situation, which is noble in its own way. Her Smith shirt. She's of course not going to accept it. At least I felt always getting sent to her room. Oh man. Except in Pitch Perfect 2, where her beautiful, wonderful, hilarious mom from Married with Children back in the day, God bless her, just constantly is talking to her up and being like, you're amazing, the Bellas are amazing, it's just a bump in the road, don't worry, everything's going to work out, it's great. Alright, Charlie, what do you, what's your plan? Oh, her tools, she's getting her weapons! Her arsenal, I should say. Got the boots. Oh, she's going full Joan Jet, baby. Or Jessica Jones. Hell yeah. This was important. This was important that she take action for B, but also without B. But oh, she wants backup, though. Whether she wants to hook up with this guy, it's still the jury's out, I think. Both for us and her. He needs backup. See that little awkward thing he did there about choking himself so forth? Blah, 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 blah. That's like something the, the Asian kid that I like so much that likes her uh, in, uh, in Edge 17 would do. Oh, uh, she brings the brother in on this one. Oh, and the brother ends up distracting, I think. Character building. This young actor is very good. He's elevating the material, too. Right, so now it's getting national slash international. So it is not end of the world quite yet, but as we've seen from the Decepticons and what they're capable of, this could be end of the world. But it's still a small story in terms of how many people, how it's framed, how it's shot, how it's told, and so forth. 
Oh, right. This is where she's like, I need a hero to help. You're the guy. Hell yeah, you are. <laughs> yeah. He's a yellow belt and a hero. Good luck. You too. Yeah. So despite the, 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 the pointless, in my opinion, mostly pointless teenage stuff 10, 15 minutes ago, and an hour and 20 with less than a half hour of actual screen time left, now it's starting to feel too fast. They missed the middle act. They missed the middle act. That's what it is. I, I just put my finger on it. The extended first act with the battles and meeting B and so forth and, and, the, and the Decepticons infiltrating the military, blah, 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 blah. That was a long first act. Final act, which started five, ten minutes ago and continues in this movie, but they missed that. Avengers on the Helicarrier, Guardians of the Galaxy in the prison, you know, uh, and, and Ultron getting screwed with by the Scarlet Witch. Is this, it's code green, guys. Uh, unwisely bringing Hulk to Johannesburg. You know, I love And then mixed with the Hawkeye's family. Love that middle act, and they didn't nail it here. And if DC movies don't start nailing their middle acts, in the way that Marvel has done so well. Uh, here's the hologram of Optimus. Uh, this is giving away the plan. Oh, but they hear you must protect the planet, right? Which they showed to us in the, in the trailer. Right, this is showing proof positive that they're trying to protect the planet and they're different than the Decepticons. I am coming. That's a tease for the next movie, I'm sure. Ooh, they're a little scared. The Autobots. So this guy starts to have a religious conversion, and I think they melt him. Uh, right, yeah. Oh, they're already getting into satellites. They, of course, can probably hear him. Uh-oh. Here comes the human melting. Again, that's Ghostbuster stuff. You could easily get away with that PG-13. I don't, or PG. I, why can't they make a movie like this, PG? It's like Spider-Man. A Spider-Man should be a straight-up, you know, PG movie for adults and kids older than six or seven. He's he, yeah. The 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 little brothers rehearsed the whole bullshit lie. Her ch- chambers. Charlie's falling out. Uh huh. They know. They, I, the mom must know he's covering. Are you on drugs? Yeah. This mom has no idea what's gay. God. Her, I mean, this one is actually not that much less psychotic than uh, her mom at Edge of Seventeen. The other problem with this movie is it does what reboot movies that are, even good reboot movies or reimagined movies do occasionally a star trek 09 because of the new time continuum just did their whole new thing and said fuck it i'll use the old characters in a new way but this was clearly them saying we're gonna try and reboot the franchise and so they throw a lot of balls in the air rather than just tell the story 
Now they got another plane and a helicopter. But the major problem with Transformers, guys, that is even, I mean, definitely compared to Thundercats, which has major social implications, I would argue, G.I. Joe, you know, American patriotism or not, there's something going on in Ninja Turtles, which is actually somewhat emotionally deep, you, you know, in a way, or at least, you know, makes you think about society in an interesting way. Transformers is just about robots changing into different things. And no amount of cool Bumblebee, and no amount of Haley Steinfeld acting her fucking face off, and no amount of John Cena being hilarious in a subtle way, and way better at drama and subtlety than I would have expected, you know, can, can overcome the overall lack of sensicalness, uh, lack of depth, of just the notion of the Transformers, um, and, uh, you know... And, and a side cast that's good, but nothing to write home about outside the main four or five players. Here's the clear, clear. Trying to start the heart. I mean, look, they just shoot right up on Hilly Steinfeld. I mean, that's how you know you have a star. It's the same thing Elizabeth also when she's scared as hell when the Flying City Sokovia. When when the when gr- really good directors shoot right up on your leads over and over again while they're crying and showing emotion. Here's another one from the side. I mean, you know. Obviously, they do this with Scarlett Johansson, Natalie Portman, all the best actresses all the time. Here comes me, back to life. Yep, they got a practical bee here. Take out the eyes. She's definitely hugging something. Oh, he's just happy that she's happy. Oh, yeah, he's got the mask on, baby. Alright, time for Bumblebee to kick some booty. We want it. We need it. I mean, even when the trailer came out and I loved it and I loved the concept in in a way, I was already hoping this wouldn't tie down Haley Steinfeld's career because even at the time, I'm like, there's so many cool superhero properties or Star Wars or something similar that's more highbrow mainstream that you should be devoting yourself to, and that appears to be the case, um, that she didn't commit herself to Bumblebee, and so it was neither surprising nor sad when they basically said they're going to try and do another one that's, you know, Haley Steinfeld free, and just never your first choice, but how can you blame her? Memo. They all just got blowed up. I mean, I have no interest in Aquaman. I will say, I wouldn't surprise that if I, and when I see Aquaman, I will feel that these movies are equally superficial. The difference is, while Amber Heard is very pretty and seems to have some potential talent, and Jason Momoa is a force of nature, you know, to me, Bumblebee, John Cena, and Haley Steinfeld are just actors I want to see more, and a low-key story set in the real world that I want to see more. And look, how can you not love the guts? Bumblebee, baby! He's getting the harpoons! Does his armor circle cycle up to a new level here? Haley Steinfeld just nailing it. More human than you'll ever be. Oh, hits him in the gut. Oh, throws down. Oh, he sees Haley Steinfeld get thrown down. That's it. 
That's it. You don't fuck with Charlie. You already did once. Now I'm going full fucking Autobot, baby. I don't need Optimus Prime. You fucking barbarians. And because they nail this final scene, and it's Hollywood in all the best ways possible, oh shit, yep, so they just sacrificed PG rating so he could say, oh shit, whatever. And they take five-year-olds to PG-13 movies, I guess. Oh, he's got red eyes, even Haley Steinfeld's scared, but his armor is fully back in place. You know, it's it's a Neo moment. Neo had to get shot and killed, basically. And then want to save his friends before he realized his true power. I mean, this is such a cliche. Luke, you know, Dune, it always happens this way. But for it to be a robot, this just manifests in his almost joy and destruction after all of this horribleness to him and Charlie and so forth. She's kind of horrified by him. Does she have to talk him down from being super violent? Like, don't kill these guys? He's got red eyes, like Ultron, like the Terminator. It's not a coincidence. So this is the next step of humanization is yes. Part of being a good guy and a human is helping your friends Oh, He's back to blue, back to normal. His hand comes in, but you also have to know when to stop and not kill people who are not really bad guys. Not really their fault. They're being deceived by the Decepticons, which you remember, don't you? What is, what does he remember? Something big didn't happen here. Uh Oh, here they come. It was cool that one of the Decepticons, I think, is a woman. Maybe it's like that in the, I was going to say comics in, in the TV show. Oh, God. Yeah. Yeah, I'm fine. <laughs> yeah, blah. Right, it's just the same thing over and over again. We got we to gotta survive. Okay, let's get somewhere safe. That, that. Right, he's... Repl- exactly... Okay. Oh, this part I loved, and I got chills. That th- he just has to play the the Optimus Prime thing to her as a response. It's his one of fir- only direct responses verbally to her, and she's like, "Okay, we're gonna fight. Enough running. Let's fight." That's always a key moment with your heroes. Do they hug or kiss? And she gives him a kiss in the cheek. Perfect. Perfect. And she says on the cheek, yeah, yep, again, not enough enough self-referential humor at some places, too much in other places. I knew this was going to be a movie of critiques. The thing is, again, with 95% of the screen time being Haley Steinfeld and Bumblebee, it's still super fun to watch. Uh, Now, like the little brother, he's being the distraction. Yeah, I mean, it would have, oh man, they drive right around them. He did, you're right, that didn't work, he did nothing. Had to be about being her. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Got the big car chase. I think he does turn into the hot rod at the end, but not before the the big battle. We, we should look getting yeah. The, see, that was a great reference to the eighties when a lot of cars didn't have seatbelts. He's like, we should really look into getting seatbelts. Oh, so this is when her parents finally are like, I don't, we don't know what's going on. We have to help our daughter. 
Yeah, with these first movies, reboots, whether it's Thor 1, Cap 1, or here, rebooting Transformers, with not huge budgets, they're not sure what's going to happen, they just go too short. Too short. But then there's also origin-y stuff, like the teeny bopper stuff earlier, that is not needed. Mm Mm-hmm. The thing is, Haley Steinfeld, as we see in Pitch Perfect, can be great in an ensemble um, atmosphere, but she's best one-on-one with Woody, and we're going to see it with Jeremy Renner. They're going to have amazing chemistry, because he's great with daughters or adoptive daughters, as we saw with his family, Linda Cardellini, his daughter, his son, multiple movies, but we definitely saw his adoptive father-daughter relationship with Quicksilver, and especially the Scarlet Witch. They're going to be great together, humorous. With some fight training, button heads. It's partially just because Haley Steinfeld's so good and such a force of nature. You know, unless you have stars all around her, uh oh, unless you have stars all around her, she's just going to outshine everybody, um, as you can see here. And that's why the Avengers are great, because you put her, Elizabeth Olsen, Tessa Thompson, Brie Larson, and so forth in the same room. Zoe Soldada, you know, it, it's all gold. Breathe heavily. <laughs> I was trying to name the other kid. Oh, that's right. He, you see, he stops, stops him off at the pass. That was radical, radical dude. Oh no. Oh god, I hate vomit. All right, so this is it. This is the big one. Let's see what we got here. Got the old Deceptos. Pulsating. This looks cool. That's the thing. I mean, the problem isn't that there's not enough special effects. It's that the, every scene that involves special effects is so fantastic in terms of how it looks and acts and, you know, contributes and so forth. Yeah, it's a tale of two movies. It's a tale of two movies. It's a tale of two movies stuffed into an hour and 40 and change. And you know what? Haley was proud of this. She promoted it dutifully on the tours, Comic-Con, and Instagram. But the thing she was most proud about, guys, last year, trust me because you know I follow her on all forms of social media, was definitely voicing Gwen Stacy in Into the Spider-Verse. She was so, so very proud to be a part of that historic animated project. And, well, this is, you know, woman in trash can, woman in refrigerator, but this is totally the rational thing. She can't hang with what's about to happen, but he needs her there as moral support, which I love. Oh, man. Bumblebee doing Mega Man. He's doing his Mega Man. Oh, yeah, the blaster in the hand. Love it. Old school Nintendo style, baby. Here we go. Here we go. Mm-hmm. Uh-oh. Loose missile. Well, good thing she's in the trash can because it just got blown up. Forcing her to fall out. Probably get into the action. No, Nowhere is safe in a war zone. But yeah. You know, I, I don't, I can't, I've done this in parts. I can't remember what I stressed this earlier, but like, 
her being the next Captain America makes total sense. She can have a bow and arrow, but she can have a great heart, an amazing mentor, and and, and uh, Clint Barton, who's been the heart of the team. If you don't watch, if you haven't been watching Ultron and the Civil War and all the movies, Barton is by far the most human with the family and just in general with the team, and with all the superpoweredness and you know, I mean, Tessa Thompson being a goddess, and you know, Elizabeth Olsen's going to go crazy. Scarlet. Which is dead. This was also uh, an amazing shot that they showed at least some of in either the trailer or a teaser or Comic Con footage. It's not exactly a one shot, but there was an extended part back there. Right, this is clearly a green screen she's up against. But when they were running previously, it really did look like the there was a the robot chasing B who was chasing her to try and help her. And that green screen on the second pass was really the only flaw so far. You know, that's, of course, the, I, I should have mentioned this up until now. The benefit of a Transformers movie, as Michael Bay did over and over and over again, is as long as you don't put the humans in too many of the fight scenes, you can just go pure CGI. CGI, these days, when it's CGI and CGI, and you know what you're doing, looks good. That's why I appreciate movies that other people hate, like Terminator Genesis, which has great special effects and connectivity between the robots, the men, uh, and the women, but also, you know, Arnold, who's sort of in between. Right, so now she's doing the Black Widow thing. Non-traditional. She's not just shooting guns. She's not just blowing stuff up. Doing something non-traditional. How about the cause? Here's the countdown. You gotta have the final countdown in every movie. So, yeah. If you're following along, just enjoy this final fight scene. And uh, great performances by all the lead characters, including and especially Bumblebee. John Cena was a revelation for me. Haley Steinfeld just confirmed that in addition to being an amazing and hilarious actress, she could be an action star. And, you know, with all the very public training she's been doing over the last year on Instagram, getting buff as hell, I think she knew the next step was Marvel or DC, and Marvel, of course, was the one to get her. Because it's Disney, but especially because they know what they're doing, and she's the best. She's the best. By her age, five years more, five years less. I don't know who's close, sub-30. I really don't. I mean, some of these young actresses of color, like Zendaya and Naomi Scott, you know, have tons of promise, but, you know, Haley, who is multi-ethnic, by the way, multiracial, she's not just Jewish and white, she's like Filipino on one of her sides. Um, You know, Haley's just made great career choices. And being a pop singer who's super famous among the teeny girls doesn't hurt anything. This is cool. Rips them apart with chains and just an explosion. Uh, is this supposed to be a gag? That was cool, though. The chain work. This is a cool touch. Is that, you know, throughout the movie, you think she's just going to be the moral heart for Bumblebee. But she does do action her- heroine stuff at the end. Um, and because it's all hands on deck and they have almost no hands, now John Cena's trying to be the, the good guy. Um, you know, she's not just trying to be the hero, but trying to save the man she loves, the robot she loves, Bumblebee. Understands her like none other. Oh, boy. He's still disgusted, looks John Cena at Bumblebee, but it's mirroring their very beginning, I'm sorry, the very beginning of the movie. This is great. The the teenage girl who has no business being here and trying to be an action star, and then the female, you know, uh, 
jet transform transformer Decepticon that's going to sh- missile her. Oh, is this John Cena with a rocket launcher? Nope, it's a Mega Man. It's a Mega Man gun for Bumblebee, baby. Is that it? Is that it? Nope. <laughs> yeah. It's cool that the female one throughout the whole thing is the eviler one. She wants to kill all the humans immediately. Disgusted by them. I mean, it's sort of like Smith of the Matrix. Like, they're angry that they even have to deal with these puny humans. So puny and tiny, as Thor would say. God, do those Transformers look good. That's the thing about nerds, guys. It's like, if Spider-Man has a good costume, or the Joker has a good costume, or Batman has a good costume, then... Uh-oh. The nerd, it's like half the battle with most nerds. Me, I don't care. I do love the visuals in this movie, but... It, it it's this brutal one one hand to hand combat that's more interesting than you know turning into any number of vehicles. After I kill her, after I kill you, I kill her. B no, here comes John Cena. Nope, he hits the dam. Nope, unleash the dam. This is the the post modern robotic ants right here from the two towers. He's going to hold her head under. Oh, he learned how to swim. I totally missed the swimming scene. Totally missed the swimming scene, I think. Or or was that just in the trailers? Fuck. Oh, no, this is the swimming scene here. That's the thing. You think it's going to be the romantic swim scene, but it's actually her trying to save him by diving in the water. Oh, it's so sweet. This is a nice ending. Yeah, this is one of those movies where it's like, I want to recommend it to everyone because it has a lot of redeeming qualities and has Haley Steinfeld, but I need to ask them questions first about their past and their childhood and what movies they like in order to recommend it or not. But in a year with The Last Jedi and lots of crap other than Wonder Woman in the summer... Wait, no, this was last year. Sorry, 2018. So yeah, you, the Marvel movies kicking ass with Black Panther and... Yeah, here's the Shape of Water thing. With Black Panther and the Avengers. But it was mostly shit the rest of the year. So, you know, me and my dad go into the theater for an hour 45 to see Haley Steinfeld in a Bumblebee movie. Totally worth it. Totally worth it. Totally worth it. And, you know, you want your favorite actors and the best actors to always be in great movies. As we see from Jennifer Lawrence, that doesn't always happen. She's been in some terrible movies, or at least terrible, excuse me, terribly reviewed movies. So the fact that we, oh, her eye makeup's all over. The fact that we get Haley Steinfeld killing it in what's really an above average movie, although that has its moments. My friends are coming. Yeah, he still doesn't trust B, it would, but, but that's true to his character. This guy. He tried to save her earlier and separate her. Oh, thank you. Right, that's the patriotic. You're a great American. Yeah, but this is like Batman at the end of the Dark Knight. They're like, if he's innocent, why, you know, like, why does he run? Because we have to chase him. Because he's the symbol that Harvey Dent can't be. 
soldier. Oh, does he salute Bumblebee? Oh, I got chills. It's technically so corny. Uh, and he does the Judd Nelson Breakfast Club. Oh, man. Oh, so much Breakfast Club. Uh, Haley Steinfeld must be sick of the Breakfast Club. That's hilarious. John Cena just killed it. Just killed it. Wasn't even corny. I mean... I- they could have played him corny in both the funniness and the dramatic stuff. And here's this guy. <laughs> uh, they needed more moments like this. The world's already been saved, kid. Cool. <laughs> Look at Cena. He's smiling, Judd. <laughs> Can you call my mom, he says to like the general. The Oh, man. Oh, uh, this is this is a beautiful ending and sad. I kind of thought this was what was going to happen, but after you know, let's put it this way: after everything they've been through, but especially that last scene where John Cena told them to go because his he knew his superiors were going to make the situation bad again. She realizes that Bumblebee is safer on his own because this is the whole Mary Jane thing with Spider Man and Rachel Dawes with with Batman is if you have people that are valuable to you to, to such an extreme, then you're automatically going to have, you know, a weak spot for people who are trying to take you down. And so while we hope they meet again in the future, either in the movies or just, you know, in our minds and our head cannons, they had an amazing experience together, but she can't be saving the world every day. But more so, if she stays with him, he's always going to have to defend her. It's really sad, but it's very realistic. I mean, she's so... That's the thing. She's so mature. So, I, I again, I think part of the immaturity teeny stuff in the middle was just to humanize her, because otherwise she's like Ray. She, oh, he's talking to her through the radio. Thank you for giving my voice. I'm Ray. I'm waiting for my family. Faking me feel life in me again, I think she said. Basically making her feel alive. Oh, killing it. Haley Steinfeld, you're making me cry, girl. Come on. I'll never forget you. I swear I'm not crying. Swear I'm not crying. Even strong men cry. Even strong men cry. Goodbye, Bumblebee. Oh, man. That's the thing. So the thing. Great solo performances can carry a movie. And that's what this is. Mm, them looking down the Golden Gate. He's already looking bigger. Oh, oh, this is where he turns into the hot rod. He sees the hot rod. Yeah, which also makes sense in terms of continuity, but it also makes sense in terms of being not totally recognizable. Do they have one last drive together? He could have been a Camaro the whole time. Yeah. I guess... Oh, uh, and the, the music from the end of The Breakfast Club again. I mean, it's so derivative with Haley Steinfeld, who's in the Pitch Perfect movies. Yeah. Christina Hudson, I don't want to shit on you because I never know how much influence a writer truly has, especially a young one in a giant movie. But Travis Knight, after Kubo, this is a little disappointing in terms of originality and The Birds of Prey ongoing seeming disaster. We'll have to see. Uh, the one thing we know as we go with this movie, and I'm not going to do much of an outro here, guys. Thank you for joining me. Um, 
the one thing we can definitely say is that you can literally give Haley Steinfeld anything with anyone in any place, anytime, and she is like, you know, Babe Ruth, eating a hot dog while hitting four home runs. I don't know if that was a great metaphor. I like baseball metaphors. Thanks for coming, Mom. Leads to family reconciliation. Now, her going off with him or her going off to do something else would have been interesting, but... Yeah. This was supposed to be the family... This was supposed to be the family movie. If Aquaman was like the big Avatar movie, this was supposed to be the little bit more low-key... Doesn't everyone love Transformers? Not after Michael Bay screwed with it for five movies. Her boy. Memo. They're going to kiss? Oh, God. Robot fights, high-speed chases, international disasters, the usual, right? Yeah. Please leave it open. Please leave it open. Please leave it open. No kissing. No kissing. I mean, with Benji and Pitch Perfect, it's so earned. Oh, and, and nope, not quite there yet. She says, yes, Haley, take your time, girl. Take your time. You got your whole life ahead of you. Uh, but then she gives him the sweet look. Look at her. Look how naturally. Haley Steinfeld. Genius. Genius. Bizzle. I mean, easily my best prediction. I mean, the Scarlet Witch, if you know about the comics. Oh, here we go. Oh, yeah, Optimus is on the planet, baby. We have a future because of you, B127. My name. It'd be funny if he said, my name is Neo. Uh, well, I hope they get another shot. Him and Optimus Prime kicking butt on Earth in the 90s would be cool, but... Oh, are those good guys? I'm assuming those are good Autobots. Oh, they're still going. I thought this movie was over. Do they not even show credits on epics? That's hilarious. That is funny. I guess they probably do on the main channel. Oh, man. Look at this hot rod she's driving. Jesus Christ. Ellie Steinfeld. Yeah. The funny thing is, in real life, she would avoid that kind of exposure. It's great to see her as Charlie doing it. And they've got this great... Ran by Christina Hansen. I'm rooting for you, girl. I am rooting for you so hard to nail Birds of Prey. But they already screwed up Batgirl, and you missed Haley Steinfeld. But this was good enough. This was good enough. And again, as a scouting movie, primarily for me, was this film. I already was convinced a thousand percent on Haley Steinfeld, but I wanted to see her nail a relatively demanding in terms of time on screen lead role in an action film. Even if it was a Bumblebee Transformers movie, she did. And... I think I teased in the intro, but never said, and I'll let you guys go. I thought she was going to be huge, but she got more famous more quickly, more speed uh, and haste than than I expected. Um, But it turns out to be the best, because that means that she's a value to things that we love, like the Marvel Universe, or maybe even Star Wars. Um, 
But uh, we'll have to see. So great job, Bumblebee. Amazing job, John Cena and Haley Steinfeld. You can do no wrong, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you jo- for joining me for the Bumblebee commentary. Um, it was definitely one of the movies that most criticism about. Um, but it's also, you know, not one of the Marvel and Star Wars and, you know, DC movies where I usually either really like or really don't like it. This one, you know, as you can tell from the commentary, had its ups and downs. But if you want to do three acts, the first and third acts, very good. The middle act, they weren't sure what they were doing. That's the biggest problem with this movie from a big picture standpoint. Um, I would definitely take a sequel to this with Ellie Steinfeld, but I hope to see her with bows and arrows about 14 months from now getting lessons with Kate Bishop from Hawkeye, baby, Jeremy Renner. Thanks for joining me. Helly Steinfeld for president in 10 or 20 years. Um, may the force be with you, but for now, the Bizzlecast is out.